so I'm not going to preach tonight. <laughs> but I'm going to share some things of our personal experience with God. And I felt like I should start with uh, my testimony. Uh, as you know, Romania had been under communism for so many years. And I was born under communism, raised un under communism uh, until the age 16. I grew up in a family that uh, was a mixed family in a way because my mom was a very strong Christian, but my father wasn't. So for us, the kids, we had the middle way. We could go to church with my mom and growing up we could go to clubs because my father would say, yes, you can go. Uh, this is pretty confusing to grow up like this, to um, be in the middle. Sunday morning would go to church, Sunday night would go to clubs. So growing up, really, I, I experienced God, but I cannot say I really gave my, uh, my life to God. So. In communism, to be something else than orthodox was a very bad thing. I remember that kids that knew uh, that we are repentant people, as they would say because of my mom, they would call us name. Uh, teachers in school would take us apart and say, you don't say about your God here. And um, of course, being a child, you would not want to be Pentecostal because my mom was a Pentecostal. So in a way, probably because I wanted to get rid of the Pentecostal name, I would go to clubs just to prove them I am not Pentecostal. <laughs> anyway, when revolution came and um, freedom came, my older sister uh, had a boyfriend that um, flee, fled to uh, Austria because Romania was very poor. So everybody after the revolution would just go to other countries for a better living. Let's say that the one month paycheck in a Western country would be maybe a year paycheck in Romania. So you can imagine that everybody wanted to flee the country, but the borders weren't open yet. So my sister boyfriend decided to, uh, to take my uh, sister and me to Austria. So we had to illegally cross the borders. And of course, we knew that our parents would not agree with this. And uh, we ran away from home. My sister and me, my sister was 17 and I was 16. So my father was drunk that day. My mom was in the hospital and we packed. It was December in Romania, it's very cold. And all the Europe is very cold. It was snow, we packed and left. So the plan was to cross the border illegally. Um, to hide in, a, in an attic of a train, my uh, brother-in-law now, then uh, my sister's boyfriend, had a special key that would open from the toilet, the top of the train. We had to 
just hiding the uh, attic of a train and just when the train would stop in Vienna, would go down and would be there. So the plan was very easy. But you know, things don't usually go according to the plan. <laughs> so uh, because it was three of us, we uh, all three of us would not fit in one uh, attic of a train from the toilet. So my brother-in-law and her boyfriend then told me, you know, you'll have to be alone and your sister and me would be in another attic. So they opened the upper part. I got there, they locked me there. It was all pipes and stuff. So they left. They said, when we're in Vienna, we'll come, knock, tell you we we're here, we'll go down. But after half an hour, I hear like a huge alarm. I hear like trains stopped, like brakes, police going on. Like I could not understand what they were saying, but eventually I heard like the toilet door open and uh, the brother-in-law said, Oltica, calm down. They catched us. <laughs> So uh, I came down and they told me the story that while my sister was going up, she pulled the pipe, the pipe broke and that stopped the train, they catched them. So we were sent back from Hungary to Romania with one year interdiction in Hungary. So we could not go home. We've been away from home for about a week. Um, the plan was let's go to another country. So for a whole month, we tried to get to Austria, like through trains, through forests, through like all the tips we heard that you can cross a border and we could not get there. So it already been January, we spent Christmas like like street, we were living like street people, uh, going begging, going to churches just to make money to eat because we spent all the money we had. Eventually we got to Austria um, in January sometimes. We stayed in Austria for about, let's see, six months. And then my brother-in-law had an idea that in Italy, it's better. We had to, <laughs> to illegally cross the border to Italy now. So the story is that, okay, also nighttime, we, with baggages and stuff, we had to walk to Italy from Austria. We had to go on hills and stuff, and my sister starts complaining, oh, this is too hard, la la la, let's take the easy way on a train line. So going uh, on a train line in a tunnel, guess what? <laughs> the train came. So the tunnel was very tight and they were alone because my brother-in-law was in love with my sister and they, he would protect her. I was alone, I thought now I'm going to die. <laughs> so I thought, what should I do? Because it was so, I was sure that the train would just so I kind of, you know, how is in Italy, everything stone, and it was like, I just stayed there and said, Lord, <laughs> help me. 
So eventually, you know, nobody was hurt, but the conductor of the train called the police. We again are <laughs> in custody of the police being sent back to Romania. I thought, okay, Lord, I think I learned my lesson. I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm gonna go home. I'll ask forgiveness. Hopefully they will receive me and I don't wanna have this life at all. But my brother-in-law said, oh, let's try Germany. <laughs> Germany is very nice. Germany is good. You, you don't wanna be here, like have nothing, be poor and you can make a life there, but you know, God really had mercy on me. And I said, no, I just don't want to go through this again. I'm staying home. So I went home, I asked forgiveness. My parents were happy, I came home. And um, of course, because when I left, I was in 11th grade of high school. I missed that year, I had to start high school all over. And, um, that year that I came, came back, I uh, met a guy on the streets um, going to school. Then uh, I met him in a club because I kept going to clubs. So uh, I started dating this guy for about two years and I was really in love with him, but the life I was living because before that, I tasted how good God was. I really tasted, you know, the fulfillment that you have when you go to church, when you are close to God. So I think I also was at the age that I thought, what do I want from my life? How do I want to live my life? So I decided that I would just follow God and I knew that this guy that I was dating was pretty cool and would not understand and I would be embarrassed to tell him I want to become a Pentecostal and I want to give my life to Jesus and really live according to Jesus rules and stuff. So I thought I will spare myself the trouble and I will just tell him goodbye. And uh, I wrote him a letter. I told him like we belong to different worlds, la la la, blah, blah, blah. But he thought that I, I like somebody else. He thought like I have somebody else and insisted for explanations. So I finally told him, you know what? Listen, I don't have anybody else. I don't like anybody else. I do love you, but I love Jesus more. And I think, you know, it's time for me to choose and I chose Jesus. And uh, I know you would not understand. I know you would not follow this. So I prefer to just say goodbye this way. To my surprise, he said, you are right. You, I am not going to be this weirdo uh, at Pentecostal. <laughs> That Pentecostals in Romania, they you know the ladies wear scarves and uh, they always are sad and uh, walk with many kids. And he said, I don't want this life. <laughs> um, so he tried to convince me that, you know, Christians are not educated people and Christians are, you know, this and that and that and tried to kind of 
explain me why it's not good for me to become a Christian. So I told him, you know what, I'm pretty sure this is I, what, I, you can tell me everything, I don't care. So he was like, how do you wanna, uh, you chose Jesus, uh, you know, over a handsome guy like me. <laughs> I don't understand you. But you know, I, I knew what I wanted. I, my heart was settled and I knew for sure this is what I wanted. So I gave him a Bible and said goodbye. Um, the story is that, you know, uh, in this time I started going to church. I um, went to the choir and everything. I felt content with my decision and I was pretty happy. Uh, in the meantime, later on, I heard that he was curious who made the religions, who made Orthodox religion, Catholic religion, Pentecostal, Baptist, and wanted to know what religion God has. So he asked people, what is your religion based on? So they all pointed to the Bible. So he thought, okay, I'm gonna read the Bible. Maybe there's a chapter for Baptists, a chapter for Pentecostal, because they all point to the Bible. So he started reading with Proverbs and kind of got in love with the wisdom. And then he was a DJ in a disco club and he would uh, put music and read the Proverbs from the Bible. <laughs> and um, later on, he would carry his Bible with him. At the school, teacher would say like he's nuts, crazy, because he was like the funniest kid in school. Like he would be the coolest. He would be with gangs and having fun. And everybody was like shocked what's going on with him. One day he, he approached me and said, listen, I've been reading the Bible. Can we meet and you can explain something that I don't understand? I was like, okay. Uh, not that I knew much, but I think God kind of gave, gave me wisdom because he had questions about the Holy Spirit and stuff like this. So I invited him to church and then he was pretty surprised that our church was like in the movies, uh, that there's a pastor and that they pray because in the Orthodox Church he grew up, things would be different. Yeah, and then we both decided to get baptized. Um, we decided to get married, but later on we had a problem. The problem was that his family would not agree with me because I wasn't Orthodox. And they were not agree with him to become a Pentecostal just because in our culture, Orthodox culture, to be a Pentecostal is really to sell your soul to the devil. It's really, really bad. So they said, if you do this, you cannot have our name. You cannot, we don't want to have anything to do with you. Uh, just forget that we exist. And he said, okay, I'll, respect your decision and I want to follow Jesus and I'm sure this is what I want to do. So my family would not support us also just because he wasn't a wealthy, rich guy to provide for a future for me. So we were kind of, you know, what do we do now? Uh, the idea was <laughs> that he would go to Germany to work for... <laughs> 
so one of us did end up to Germany, but wasn't me, was him. So he went in Germany and worked for about, I don't know, nine months for us to have money, for a place, for us to be able to get married. And God really opened some amazing doors for him there because he finished forest and environment and he was very good doing landscape and stuff. And God opened like a business contract for him that would really uh, make him very wealthy because he worked very, very well. And so he came back home, we got married and now you know that this guy is Catalin. And of course, probably you knew. <laughs> We got married, Catalin's parents didn't came to the wedding, but it was fine with us. Uh, we bought an apartment with the money he made because I was telling you that some months of work in Germany could buy an apartment in Romania. And the plan was that we would go to Germany, would move to Germany to start a new life. But for us, in order for us to go to Germany, we had to uh, get the work visa that we have to go from northern part of Romania to Bucharest. When we got to Bucharest, to the embassy there, we um, just saw the orphans on the streets. We saw uh, the situation that in northern part of Romania wasn't really a situation. So we were kind of shocked what's going on there and overwhelmed. We were like, wow. Literally, there was like thousands, thousands of kids, but small kids, that they would sit from the train station in the streets. They would rock and sniff glue. And we both were like, wow, this is overwhelming. What's going on? And um, we both, you know, were really troubled inside. And uh, slowly, slowly, God spoke to Catalin that this is what we should do. So Catalin made like, put a sign. If I would agree with this, instead of going to Germany to uh, move to Bucharest to work with street kids, then that's the sign we should do that. And he asked me, what do you think if instead of going to Germany, we'll just go to, um, to Bucharest to work with the street kids. And of course, I was happy to work with the street kids because in my heart, I wanted to do something. I had no idea what. We, we both said yes. We had no idea what we'll do. But we took a step in faith and just moved to Bucharest to start working with the street kids. I was 21 then. He was 22 uh, soon after that. We had our biological daughter. And uh, the first week we moved in Bucharest, because it's been a while until we found a place and made some arrangements for us. The first week we been to the, the moved in Bucharest, we found this uh, orphan boy abandoned on the streets by a 14 years old prostitute mom that was very, very sick, dying, and we took him just to help him. We ended up adopting him because we got so attached. And uh, 
was like a natural thing to do. Later on, um, we adopted other girl that was um, 11 years old, burned on the sewages, and um, we have four kids. Uh, they're all grown up now. The girl is wonderful, doing well. She um, is married, I think Katalin mentioned that, has two boys, a wonderful husband. Our son is uh, a director of Teen Challenge in um, Timisoara, western part of Romania. He's also married and has a little girl. So we've been seeing God's miracles in an amazing way. Um, we've been working with street kids for about um, eight years. And then while in a board meeting for that organization, where Catalin was one of the directors, he felt that the Lord was calling him to another ministry and felt strongly led by the Holy Spirit to resign. He, of course, listened to the Holy Spirit and said, guys, I don't know why, but I feel I have to resign today. And uh, I don't know where God will take me, but I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And he resigned. He came home and said, honey, <laughs> I have a news. Uh, the kids were still young. Uh, we had really nothing of our own, no apartment, no car, no nothing. Everything we had kind of belonged to the organization we're working with. And said, honey, I resigned. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then he told me the story and said, listen, I really felt that God uh, had something else for us. I felt like uh, we should move on. Nothing's wrong, but just, you know, was God. So we, for a while, had no idea what's the direction God will take us. And um, we've been praying. Catalin been receiving so many offers of was Bible schools, starting Bible schools, doing that, but nothing resonated to his heart. Even though he had no idea what is going to be next, he waited and eventually um, somebody shared with him about the Ministry of Teen Challenge. And um, that really resonated in his heart because it was discipleship, was people that needed help, hopeless, uh, and he was like, this is what I, my heart beats for. So we started this journey of Teen Challenge in Romania. Now I saw that on your t-shirts, there's on the back of your t-shirts, there, there's a cross and there's a globe. So I thought, how cool is this? Because that really shows the heart you guys have for the world. Because you guys, Southern California, really made an impact in Romania. If it would have not been for, uh, for Teen Challenge Southern California, really, uh, I don't think Romania would have been so blessed. And um, this is the way God worked in Romania through you guys through the director of the time, Dennis Griffith, that came to Romania and really had the heart later on 
through Ram Brown, that's our mentor, our pastor, that's been such a blessing. But not only, all the team, everybody, all of you really embraced Romania and all of you blessed us, helped us, encouraged us. And now in Romania, we started uh, with the coffee house, then we rented a place for a men's center. Later on, God provided to buy a building from, for men's center. Now we've been able to buy a building for, for women's center. Now we have about four centers, two uh, uh, outside of Bucharest uh, and two in Bucharest. We have a church that's growing and a wonderful team that's part of all of this. And a long time we've been seeing miracles happen. Yeah. And all of these miracles really happened with uh, a moment of intimacy with God. All the testimonies kind of start like this. And then I said, God, if you're real. And then I said, God, if you exist. And then I said, God, if you care. And then I said, help me. And then I said, I need you. So that moment of intimacy really was the, the first step of a miracle of a testimony. So each, probably each of our stories start with a moment with intimacy with God when we give our life to Jesus. So of these moments of intimacy, I'm gonna share a little bit tonight. <laughs> the testimony was pretty long, but uh, <laughs> I just wanted you to know a little bit of our background. So I'm going to pray for the small, small message I'm going to have. Tatăl nostru, Doamne Iisuse, venim înaintea Ta și te rog, Tată, din cer ca Tu, Doamne, să ne binecuvintezi pe fiecare din noi, Doamne. Mă rog, Tată, din cer ca Tu să ne vorbești prin Duhul Tău cel Sfânt, Doamne Iisuse. Mă rog ca Tu să atingi fiecare inimă, Doamne, fiecare suflet, Doamne. Mă rog, Doamne, ca Tu să faci lucrarea Ta în această seară, Doamne Iisuse. Îți dăm Ție slavă și Te rog, lărgește vasele noastre, Doamne, să fim plini de Duhul Sfânt, Tată, din cer să ardem pentru Tine. Îți dăm Ție glorie și slavă. Amin. So when it comes of uh, moment, uh, moments of intimacy, for me, one of the greatest moments of intimacy is of, uh, of a woman who had the bleeding problem that touched Jesus. And um, I would like to read this passage. Uh, and the woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, but no one could heal her. She came up behind him and touched the edge of his clock. And immediately, immediately her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. When they all denied it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding and pressing against you. But Jesus said, someone touched me. I know that power has gone out of me. Then the woman, seeing that she could not go 
unnoticed, came trembling and fell off his feet. In the presence of all people, she told why she had touched him and how she had been instantly healed. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. For me, a moment of intimacy is when um, we desperately look for God's heart, for God's uh, help, for God's uh, protection, for whatever we need at the moment. I see this woman that she tried everything to be healed and nothing really could help her. But in a moment of desperation, she said, if I could just touch the garment of her, his clothes, then I would be healed. Yeah. That moment when she touched him kind of was a moment of intimacy when Jesus really wanted to, um, really wanted to not let it go because he could just keep walking. And of course he knew what was going on, but because he stopped and said, who touched me? then this is a testimony for all of us that if we are determined enough to touch God, then a power would go out of him to change our reality, to change our situation, to change our need, to change everything we need at the moment. So um, I think the intimacy with God for, for this woman brought healing. Intimacy with God for other people can bring revelation. Intimacy with God for other people can bring freedom. For other people can bring release of oppression of the spirits, can bring a Fulfilling of a material need, why not? I experienced that and I kind of experienced all of this through a moment of sincerity. I remember that we were working with the street kids and um, we really didn't have too much money to buy clothes and stuff. So I went to a store and I see this school boots and jacket and of course that was the paycheck of a month. And I, you know, I just one day because before going to work, I put myself on my knees and said, Lord, you know, I really want these clothes. Please give me the money. And it was such a random, sincere prayer. I had no idea what was in my mind to really bother God with this, uh, but I did it. So I get to the the girls' home where we'll have these girls from the streets. And Catalin was already there and he said, listen, uh, I received the $100 from this guy that visited the center and said, this is for you. And I really feel like you should exchange this money and go buy something for yourself. I was like, oh my gosh, really? It's like I just made this prayer before I came here and I'm shocked. So a moment of sincerity when we come with things that we may consider that doesn't interest God, mm -hmm. like 
something we need, our needs, like our students, and maybe you and maybe us many times, you know, they finish the program and think, what's next? What will be my future job? What, where I will live? Where I would go? How I will provide for my kids, for my family? You know, but God is in control of all of these details. Only if we come with a sincere heart, only if we open completely and become vulnerable to God. But I think from all of these, let's say, benefits or great things we can get out of the intimacy we have with God, I think the greatest thing that we can have is really to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think that's, that's the best thing we can have. The Holy Spirit that can lead us, can make us wiser, can, uh, can use us to serve in the body of Christ, can, can really take us where we never imagined we could go in mission, in just career, he would use you amazingly. So I think this is what we all should seek for, the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's at a hand reach, uh, how this lady had the faith to touch God. We can have the faith to touch God in the area we need today. If you need uh, healing, then you can touch God and the power will go out of him and will heal you. If you need some needs to be fulfilled, you can touch God and he can fulfill that. If you need to be released of spiritual oppression, of fear, of anxiety, of things that you, you have no solution like this lady. I know what it means to live in fear it's horrible, but God released me of fear and it's amazing how it is to be, to live in freedom, not to live in fear. So everything we need, everything we, we desire, it's at a hand touch, a hand reach, only if we are determined enough only if we are motivated enough, yeah. only if we desire enough, only if we believe enough yeah. to, um, to have it. God wants us to be healed. God wants us to be filled. God wants us to be used. God really wants us to maximize all the potential, all the gifting he has in, yeah. in us. Only if we want, only if we are, first step, it's us that we have to do, and then he would meet us halfway. But are we determined enough to, to get it? This was what I wanted to share with you. I wanted to say that you guys are amazing. Teen Challenge family is the best. You are great worshipers, and I love the way you worship, worship God. And every time we come here, we feel so blessed 
and it's such a great joy and honor to be with you. And I really hope and pray that God would <coughs> fill you with the fullest of the Holy Spirit and would maximize and will, you will reach your potential and your calling with him. Amen. Amen. Amen.